Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. A big thank you for joining me on today's show. Um, we've got a brilliant guest lined up today. I was fortunate enough to speak with former NBL player, two times NBL champion, in fact, and now current CEO of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Tommy Greer. Um, we dive into a number of different topics, which I'm sure you're all going to love today. So if you enjoy the episode, we'd love for you to take a screenshot, post it up on your Instagram story for me, tag myself, tag Tommy, tag the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, um, get around the NBL for this up and coming season and, and give the Phoenix plenty of support. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So uh, let's jump straight into the chat with Tommy. Tommy, welcome to the, the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. No worries, mate. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, we've got a f- few mutual friends um, and uh, obviously I'm relatively invested in, in the Phoenix with Creaky playing down there and, and Danielle and I get down to all the games. So I've uh, been, been keen to get you on for a while. So it'd be good to, to have a chat, man. The first thing I wanted to actually ask you straight off the bat was what were some of the, the main things that you guys kept in mind when starting to structure um, your team from the ground up? Obviously, Southeast Melbourne. Um, only second season, just just finished second season in the league. So starting a team from the ground up, um, what were the main things that you guys had in mind when trying to put a playing group together? So specifically about the playing group or sort of setting up the entire club? First off, yeah, specifically with the playing group in terms of how you wanted that to look and whether or not you, know, you expected the first year to be competitive or whether it's something you wanted to build into. No worries. Yeah, so look, uh, I think, um, and you know, this speaks a little broader than, than the playing group as well, but from day one, starting with such a clean slate and, you know, you would have heard the story so many times like mm. along the way, but legitimately starting from a piece of paper, as daunting as that is, comes with a lot of opportunity as well because, yeah. you know, having been involved in the sport for my whole life, um, obviously got a, uh, you know, some pretty locked in thoughts on, on how I think things should operate and how teams should be built and put together and structured and, mm-hmm. And, and, and all of those things. So being able to start with a really clean slate, I saw as a real advantage. And the one thing that we, Simon uh, and I, in terms of the roster, really wanted to get right from day one was the culture of the playing group and performance department. Um, we wanted to be really uh, talking specifically about that department. We wanted to be really players focused. We wanted to um, you know, replicate an NBA um, sort of program as best we could uh, and make sure that we, you know, were providing, you know, um, the highest level of, of sort of facilities and resources to our players so that, you know, um, when you put all that together, you know, the culture of the group and, and you bring in hardworking and dedicated mm. um, athletes uh, and all those peripheral things, um, you sort of set yourself to becoming um, a bit of a destination franchise, um, which makes recruiting easier, you know, yep. um, immediately basically you go into year two and recruiting is a lot easier than it was in year one and et cetera et cetera um so for us it wasn't necessarily about um coming out and um you know winning a title year one you know were we trying to win the title year one of course we were yeah but you know there's some realities around that and started like a house on fire that first season (laughs) yeah we did we did but for us it was really about sort of the people we brought in to that playing group yeah that's why you saw players like ben Madgen, you know Mm. Yeah. professional like this yeah. guy was a pros pro um and uh 
yeah, we really wanted to tick that box because we knew that, you know, whoever we retained from year one into year two, you know, that's what we would have had set in stone. Yeah. Um, knew we could top up the list with talent in years to come um, as we got more shots at free agency and, and recruiting internationally. But we knew that if we got the culture piece wrong from day one, mm. that we'd be spending the next five years trying to fix it. Yeah. Is that something? Is that something you kept in mind, um, or even to this day? Like you mentioned, culture and how important it is. You know, you may have a guy who fills up the stat sheet every week, but just brings horrible culture, like toxicity to the to the club. Is that something you keep in mind when you are recruiting? Is it not just about their playing ability, but also what they can bring to the to the team off the court? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, that's something we hold incredibly close. Um, we're, we're very um, blunt in our recruiting as well. Like when we sit with international yep. prospects and local prospects, we don't, we don't sugarcoat a lot of the stuff we do. Um, you know, we're very open about how involved in the community we are, mm-hmm. and how important that is to us. You know, like there is the on-court portion of, of coming and being a part of this club, but there's, there's a broader part to that as well, which mm. is, you know, a willingness and a, and a legitimate desire to, invest time and uh, um, yeah, invest a player's time and commitment to, you know, those community programs and embedding ourselves in, in, in that community. So for us, absolutely, like still remains to this day, um, you know, a number one um, uh, recruiting priority, you know, like mm-hmm. they have to, they have to tick that box. When we talk about um, yeah, building a good culture and, and setting, I guess, the tone from, from day one. What were some of the things that, that I guess you tried to instill in the playing group and, and the staff in the club, you know, the values, you know, I've had um, a few guests on the show, like around the, the topic of personal development and something that just continues to come up over and over again is just knowing your values and how important it is and, and making sure that it's not just someone barking orders um, to the playing group or to your staff or whatever it may be, but just everyone kind of lives those values from a day-to-day basis. Like what were the, was there some key things that you really tried to instill um, in the club from day one in terms of, in terms of values? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from day one, we wanted to be a, um, you know, it's a, it's a funny sort of line I was using a lot as we were starting this, this, this club up, but we wanted to be a, uh, a professional club with a community focus. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't want to be pegged as a community club just because we we're based out in the southeast and we we're a mm-hmm. new team. You know, we wanted to be seen as one of the top tier clubs, but with a really heavy community focus. Yeah. And to this day, that that sort of still sings true um, as to how we operate um, as, as a franchise. In terms of those sort of values um, of the playing group, we really wanted to represent um, what the southeast community of Melbourne really is like these mm-hmm. are basketball fans you know like yeah. that is the throw around the word, word heartland but it's for a good reason I mean 25% of Australia's basketball participation is out in that region and, and they know their hoops mm. um, they're hard-working they're fundamental um, you know they, they play the game the, the right way um, you know sort of blue-collar um, basketball and that's something that we really wanted to reflect on the court um, in terms of, you know, the product we're putting out on the floor. And, mm-hmm. and once again, you know, to this day, um, that's something we hold on to. And we want to make sure that we are a, an actual reflection of, of Southeast Melbourne basketball on a national stage. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, like just thinking about it now. Um, obviously, I mentioned to you off, off the uh, podcast, Creaky and I are really good mates. And, you know, we both played 
big V with Horsham and, and being from a country town, like you have that, it's almost a very similar feel, but on a bigger, a much bigger scale now, like you come to the, to the games and you now I've even got a bunch of clients who are members of Southeast Melbourne and it's that similar vibe. It's similar feel. It almost feels like the fans seem to be a lot more invested in the club because it f- feels like they're, they're a part of it compared to, like you mentioned, like a, you might use a, another example of a different club who may be super professional, but they don't really have much to do with the community at all. So it is a bit of a different feel. It's, it's almost like a big, a big uh, country club if, in, in some, some regard, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good way of, uh, of putting it. And, um, you know, something we've worked hard on. And I think that anyone who comes to games um, here in Melbourne um, can really sort of identify that difference um, between the clubs down here and, and, um, you know, uh, it's something we're really proud of, something we're going to c- continue to push because, um, you know, we're, we're the club with a bit of a chip on our shoulder. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the sort of the, the region of, of uh, Victoria that we're representing. In terms of the way, where you feel like the, the league's at at the moment, um, you know, obviously over the past 18 months or however long it's been now, um, should hit the fan a little bit in terms of uh, in terms of how how the simplicity of of I guess progressing the league and and the games and even just like getting crowds in and stuff like that. But I think it's fair to say like the league's probably in the best position it's been in in a long time in terms of you know people coming to watch like the excitement or, or the hype around the games and and the amount that actually gets talked about off court now just from general public as well. Um, especially prior to COVID, how did you, did you see the position of the league with like the next stars program with guys like LaMelo ball coming and all of a sudden you've got international eyes on the game and, and it's just starting to grow in more popularity and even looking at some of the, the signings that the league's getting with the imports and, and even Aussie guys that are choosing to come and play here instead of going to college or even coming back from, from overseas. Like how do you think that the league's looking at the moment? Yeah, look, uh, I think the league's in a, just an incredible position at the moment and you know, I feel like you talk to anyone from any sport, this is how they're going to talk, but um, <laughs> it's, it's actually the reality, you know, uh, going into COVID, um, yeah, I was sort of quoting quite often that we're in the golden era of basketball in Australia. And, you know, since then, you know, things have continued to go the right direction, even throughout this pandemic. You know, you talk about things like the boomers, meddling you know the the australian talent coming home the next stars program which has now got you know not just america which we always sort of fall back to um you know saying that the you know the 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 eyes of the nba are on the nbl the eyes of the world are on the nbl you know on a global scale as we get out recruiting used to be Used to be a sales pitch to get a European yeah. to, to, to you know want to so sugarcoat it a little bit exactly like, <laughs> like that. Now we, we've got people calling us, yeah, um, and reaching out. You look at the participation numbers, you know, going through the roof. Um, you know, prior, prior to COVID, you look at the the media rights deal, which mm-hmm. is you know, the biggest Huge. and best in, in the history of the in the history of the league. Yeah, you know, this isn't just propaganda. It's not just someone who's invested in the sport talking about it. This is the reality of where the sport is. Yeah, um, it's truly on the precipice of of doing some some really um, big things. And I think in terms of sports within Australia, in terms of how they're positioned positioned to come out of COVID um, on the back end of these lockdowns, mm. um, I couldn't be more excited about where the sport is. Like truly primed to to take real advantage um, of the situation. Definitely, uh, homicide. Uh 
when we had a chat with him the other week, he used, I think he touched on something which was really, um, that really stuck with me is, you know, the, if, although he's a bit of an outlier, someone like a Josh Giddy, the fact that he stays here, plays NBL, goes over and then gets drafted so high in, in the NBA draft has to have a, a massive impact on a lot of the junior players yep. that are still in Australia that, that have the aspirations to go to either the NBA or the NBL. Um, it's almost like, it's an example, it's almost like the, the, what is it, the four minute mile or whatever, like you just don't really put, put, you know, put two and two together until someone does it. And now that someone's done it, I think that opens up the potential for even just the, the hope that, that you can stay here and, and progress your game to get to the point where you're, you're being watched by NBA scouts and, and mm. sort of go overseas. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, the benefit that that has for, you know, um, participation numbers in the, in the country for, you know, the opportunity for that young local talent to stay here and, and, and be comfortable that they, they're going to be seen and they're going to get that opportunity if it comes. And it's like I was saying before, it's now got to the point where we've got European talent, you know, putting their hand up to say, yeah. no, I want to make the jump. I want to, I want to, I want to play in the NBA and the best way to do that, the easiest way for me to get seen is to come down and play in the NBL yeah. here in Australia. So I think that, um, you know, there's so many benefits, you know, off, off the back of that next stars program, but that next stars program is only as good as the clubs within the league, you know, and, yeah. and the programs and, and, and the, and the sort of, um, you know, the talent that they're putting, putting on the floor. Just touching on um, some of the the local players or Aussie players, I guess you could say, um, you know, if myself coming from a basketball background, the goal those earlier days was always to eventually, you know, whatever it may be, go over to college or play NBL or, or make professionally as a basketballer. You coming from, um, you know, being a player yourself and going through the whole process to, to making it to the NBL and, and playing at a professional level, like what do you see these days as the best pathway for a junior to eventually be playing in the NBL? Is it hanging around here in Australia and, and playing NBL one? Is it going over to college or is it pretty varied or what, like what's your opinion on the best pathway to make it to the league? Yeah, look, that's such a difficult uh, question to, uh, and I get asked that one a lot, but it's really difficult one to answer, um, whole, you know, holistically. It, it's different for individuals, you know. Um, every, every uh, you know, up-and-coming talent's got their own situation and, mm. and potentially need different things, you know, like some kid might really benefit from the experience of, you know, heading over to the States and, yep. and you know, um, sort of, uh, challenging, challenging, challenging themselves in a bit more of an uncomfortable situation. Others, you know, might benefit from from staying here, and they've got you know some good coaches around them and and sort of clear pathways to to, to the next step. So, um, I think there is a you know there's there's so many different ways in which kids can sort of make their way through. You know, you talk about the COE, and you talk about just coming through state league programs and yeah. And, being around a professional club and 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 being at trainings, you know, that's um that's pretty much how I made made my way onto a roster. Mm-hmm. So, look, there's, there's so many different ways, and um, yeah, to me, it really does come down to the individual as to sort of what the best option out of all them is. We've seen over the past um, few years. Uh, teams here heading over and playing playing against some NBA teams for preseason games. Again, it was uh, I think it was last year or maybe the season before where teams went over after round one or round two, which seemed a bit odd. But what do you think the chances are? Obviously, at the moment with COVID, it's difficult. But what are the chances of in the future the NBA teams coming over here to play preseason games? You know, I think that would just boost the league um, 
you know, significantly having an NBA team come and fill out an arena here to play a preseason game or a few games against some NBL guys. What do you think the odds of that are happening? Yeah, look, I mean, I don't know in terms of sort of, I can't give you a sort of percentage, but um, I, I know that's something that the NBL and Australian basketball will be super keen on, on on achieving at some point. Obviously, with with COVID and the situation we're in at the moment, I can't imagine that it's going to happen, you know, anytime in the in the in the short term or near future. But um, you know, those games were, um, you know, incredibly beneficial for, yeah. for for Australian basketball, and um, you know. I, I personally, um, you know, not to, not speaking for the league, really hope that we can get back to a place where we at least get those games going again on on US soil um, as soon as we can, because you know it's a great um, it's great exposure for the NBL and, and Australian talent. Um, and then you know, um, fingers crossed that at some point down the line we could we can sort of make that next jump and, and get a few of those teams out here. Yeah, it'd be incredible, I reckon. Even the hype around, obviously, probably on a slightly bigger scale, but when the US were out here for the for the Boomers game um, the other year, like just the amount of people talking about it that probably weren't even basketball fans initially, I think it just builds such big hype. What's, uh, you mentioned earlier in the, in the chat about how, obviously, the first year you probably weren't going into the season with any expectation of, of winning a championship, although that was obviously the goal. Um, when do you, in your eyes, like when, when does that get to a point where you're going into the season expecting to, to be competing for a championship? Obviously last year, um, there was a few difficulties throughout the season. Um, we was including COVID, but even off court stuff that, that seemed to throw the, the season all over the place. Um, when do you think it's a, a realistic expectation to go into the season expecting to win the championship? Yeah, well, I think, you know, from a, from a members and fans sort of point of view that that expectation needs to be every year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said from the start, you know, we, we, we wanted to come in and be com- uh, competitive immediately. You know, the, the, the goal has always been to win a championship, um, even if that is, was seemingly unrealistic in, in, in sort of that first season. But I think that we made great strides during last offseason and we yep. saw the bits of that. Um, last year, you know, making a, a semi-final and taking a, a game off the eventual winner, um, and you know, we're hoping we can we can make similar strides this year. So for us, um, you know, we we definitely see ourselves as having um, enough local talent on the roster now to mm. be able to make a real push for for a championship. Um, we feel like there's a bit of a window here for us in terms of that Australian talent we have over the next sort of two three years. Um, so, you know, we're, we're absolutely sort of setting the table for, for, for making a run. That's unreal. I think, think obviously any of the fans that, that are tuning into the episode would be super excited to hear, hear that. Um, obviously, yourself coming, coming from a playing background um, as a professional and winning championships, what, what do you think, the, you know, assuming that it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll manifest it now that, that the Phoenix win a championship within the next couple of years which would be nice what do you think the difference in the feeling of, of winning that championship will be as a player compared to um you know being a ceo of the club and and having that more of the kind of not behind the scenes but the, the back end um control of the team compared to being on a court yourself yeah hard, hard one to answer until um until we get to that point until happens. <laughs> yeah yeah until, until it happens but um yeah, it's a, it's a really good good question. I'm not actually sure how to answer that. You know, I'm sure it'll, it'll have some sort of subtle differences, but, um, you know, being a competitor and, you know, yourself being a competitive type of guy, I think it will ha- it'll have a, a fair amount of similarity 
in the feeling as well. You know, um, you know that the work that goes into, um, you know, everything that's happened to get to that point, um, yeah. you know, and sort of culminates, um, you know, in, in that result. Um, I would think that it would have a somewhat of a similar feeling, but um, you know, we're, we're we've got a, a long road ahead of us to get to uh, to get to anything like that. So um, we are definitely nose down, um, bum up at the moment. In terms of that, in terms of the, I guess the um, the emotional side of of the position you're in now with the team, like. Do you, does it feel similar to when you were a player, you know, going throughout the season when there's a win, when there's a loss, come finals time? Do you still get that similar kind of feeling in regards to maybe nerves or disappointment after a loss and stuff like that? Or are you more now um, look at it as a not so much a business standpoint, but more of like a, a bit more perspective on, on the overall season or how the team's going and progressing and whatnot? I think the answer I'm supposed to give here is that you know, I've got great you know, perspective in the moment and, you know, I sort of take right all the bumps, uh, you know, with, with relative ease. But the reality of the situation is, you know, in the moment, in the game, um, you know, the frustration of not being able to impact um, in any meaningful way um, does lead itself to, to, you know, still remaining nervous and, and um, you know, feeling the, the hurt and, and, um, and joy of, of wins and losses. So um, I think that, uh, post results, you know, uh, it's definitely, um, you know, have definitely gained a whole lot more perspective on the broader picture of things and context of the season and, and, and how that all sort of fits in place. But um, in the moment itself, um, you know, um, sadly, I've still yet to be able to pull myself out of the emotion of, uh, of, of the actual moment. I bet it's not easy to do <laughs> with the, uh... Um, clearly, the past two seasons um, have been all over the place, but and things uh, just in general are still pretty all over the place at the moment. But how do you see the the twenty one twenty two season going in regards to how it plays out with with games where they're going to be and travel and restrictions and all that type of shit? Like, do you guys have any any indication of what what the season's going to look like? Uh, are they planning just to have it as a normal season? Do you know, or is it is it going to be hubs and and games in certain states and stuff like that? No, and everything changes so quickly. But um, I think that, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that at least for the first portion of the season, there's going to be, you know, COVID impact on on what's going on and on how the season is delivered. You know, we remain really hopeful and it's the league's priority to play as many games for as many clubs in front of their home fans. So um, that being the, um, the sort of key philosophy, um, you know, we're, we're confident that, you know, we'll, we'll play you know, all, you know, of our games in front of, uh, in front of our fans or at least a portion um, of our fans and, um, you know, sort of remaining sort of positive that um, that start date of November 18 is, is when we kick things off and, and, and that game's in front of um, very passionate Phoenix members. Yeah, unreal. Just, just uh, obviously we've spoken a lot about um, the Phoenix and, and whatnot throughout the, the chat today, but coming off um, such a successful career yourself, like what was for you, obviously winning a championship has to be, I would imagine the ultimate, but what was like some of the most memorable moments for you as a, as a player? Oh, memorable moments. Um, all sort of molds into one. Um, I mean, championships definitely, like you said, that that's sort of you know some of, some of the biggest biggest moments. There is one one sort of 
thing which tied into a championship which really stands out to me. Um, we had, who are we playing? I should know the answers to this, but it's in a grand final series. I think it was against Sydney. We lost, a, we lost game four, I think. And we were supposed to win that and win the championship here in Melbourne. It was we were up by 20 points or something like that. It was extreme. right. It's the game where Gorge ran around the court with his pistol. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, back in the locker room after that game was just, you know, heartbreak because the champagne was on ice. You know, we're, we're in Melbourne. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it was, it was going to be awesome. We we're ready to go. And, um, you know, we all sit there for, you know, an hour after the game and then finally leave. And I remember on the way home getting a text message from, um, Chris Anstey, which he sent to the entire playing group. And, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to sort of relay it verbatim, but it was just basically a sort of inspirational message of like, we're not done here. Like we're the best team in this. We're going to fly up to Sydney. We're going to take that win and we're going to celebrate on their court <laughs> up in New South Wales and, and, and win this championship. I remember reading that sort of text message. Still today, I'm giving myself chills thinking about it. Yeah, I bet. Um, it was just one of those those sort of moments that is sort of now etched in in my uh, basketball memory of, um, geez, that was sort of a, a really big moment in time. And you know, after that to go up there and then win it was just um, was just sort of poetry. Yeah, hundred percent. Do do you have in regards to with the playing group now? Like, how much say do you or do do you have to do with the playing group after say a, a tough loss or even after a big win? Like in terms of you've obviously got the perspective and you've got the experience there to be able to, you know, understand what the players are probably going through. Do you, do you kind of go in and have your say to the group as well? Or do you just leave that up to Simon or is that, how does that kind of play out? Yeah, no, I leave that to the performance department. You know, I leave that with Simon and, you know, he's with the group every single day, you yeah. know? Um, and so he knows uh, in a lot more detail what's going on and the nuances yeah. uh, in the group. Um, so I leave that completely to him. Obviously, I've got my own relationships um, with a lot of the players and we'll talk with them throughout the week um, in sort of preparation and, and post games. But um, in terms of the, the group itself, um, you know, I, I, I truly leave all of that to, to our head coach, Simon Mitchell, and, mm. and you know, he's responsible for, for all of that. Awesome, mate. Well, before we uh, before we wrap things up, I just uh, I wanted to ask you in terms of you've had you've had a few good signings coming into this next season. Is there anyone in particular? Obviously, the answer is probably meant to be that you're excited to watch everyone play. But is there anyone in particular that you're really looking forward to seeing how they go in this coming season that maybe the fans probably haven't seen before or or, or maybe not expecting? Um, yeah, I can talk to a, a couple. I think um, I'm excited to see Ryan broke off this season. Obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, with um, a bit of stability behind him, a proper preseason under his belt, um, I think that um, it's going to be a very different story for him going into this year. Yeah. Which is super exciting given the level of talent that, that he is. Um, obviously, Xavier Munford, I mean, who yeah. we announced the other day, this this guy is going to be fun. Fans are going to enjoy watching watching this guy play. Oh, that's he unreal. Put the ball yeah, he knows how to put the ball in the hole. Um, so, you know, 100% looking forward to, to seeing him play. Um, and I actually think that, um, you know, that we're going to see uh, uh, another step from um, Ruben Tarangi as well, who's put in a really monstrous um, off-season here. And um, he's looking really good on the floor. 
Um, he hit some really good form coming the back end of last season. Yeah, he really did. So the second half of last year, you know, people were talking about his three-point shot for the first half of the year, but he really started to turn it on um, that second half and back yeah. end, like you said. So he's an incredible talent, still so young, like still incredibly young. Yeah. And um, I think that, um, you know, he's, he's sort of primed to do some big things in the NBL as well. Brilliant. Well, mate, I'm sure I can speak for all the fans listening. We're excited for the season to get started again. Hopefully it's as smooth as possible this, this time around um, with COVID and whatnot. But, mate, appreciate your time um, for joining us on the show today. I think a, a lot of people would have enjoyed the episode. So uh, a big thanks for, for joining us. No worries, man. Thanks for having me on. And thanks so much for your support as well. Like, we really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, mate. Um, and for everyone who's tuned in, a big thank you to you as well. Um, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode, post it up on Instagram story for us, tag myself, tag Tommy. I'll, I'll put the Phoenix socials in the, in the show notes as well. Make sure you get around them for this, um, this up and coming season. And um, I'll hopefully catch you at the games, mate. Thanks again. Man, good on you. See you, mate.